You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center broadcasting to you live from Santa Monica, California. We had a great show, a very fascinating show for you today. And um, almost stranger than um, truth is stranger than fiction, you will soon see. And uh, we're going to start off by having um, Ken White. He is the publisher of uh, the acclaimed blog Popat and a uh, partner here in a Los Angeles firm. And um, in the second half hour, we're going to be talking about Silicon Beach. And we're going to have Kevin Winston, who just um, finished um, running uh, the the initial um, inaugural Silicon Beach Fest, which was quite, quite a smash success here um, down in um, Santa Monica and in Venice. And um, so we're going to talk about this new phenomenon known as uh, Silicon Beach. So um, it's going to be an interesting show. As always, you can find more information about the topics we're covering in our blogs at um, ilccyberreport.wordpress.com. And um, so without further ado, uh, do we have Ken with us? I am here. And thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I'm watching this this kerfuffle unfold under the web um, between um, um, the oatmeal and uh, um, funny junk. It's just... you keep it's like watching a, a train wreck, and you keep thinking it's not it can't get any worse, and it, it just escalates. And um, so, um, as it as I watched it happen, I thought, wow, how do you translate this to people? And you've done a very good job on Popat of kind of digesting what exactly is going on, and um, and so. But let's start off by just telling me telling a little bit about what Popat is. 
Well, thanks. Uh, Popat is a blog I started with um, uh, some friends about five years ago now, and it's eclectic. Uh, it's a little geeky, uh, but a lot of what we talk about are legal issues, and in my case, especially First Amendment issues and the subject of legal threats and how they chill free speech in America. And um, this would fall into that category, most definitely. Now, um, the the oatmail is a uh, is a one that um, how would you describe the oatmail? The oatmail is a, a site run by a guy named Matt Inman who uh, writes comics, and the comics range from the very familiar funny things about cats to sort of um, slightly juvenile but funny humor in the style of South Park or something, uh, you know, mock violence, uh, etc. And it has a huge following. I can tell you that when the oatmeal linked to Pope Hat, the traffic from that was more than 10 other websites, uh, significant tech websites combined. So millions of people look at this guy's comics and enjoy them. And uh, apparently some people enjoy them too much. Is this well, Yes. Uh, it, his comics are something that you'll commonly see swiped and reposted elsewhere on the Internet without attribution. And that's what started this strange tale. Uh, there's a site out there called Funny Junk, which has a series of forums in which users can post things that they saw elsewhere and found funny. And uh, people post it, people comment and enjoy it. And meanwhile, uh, Funny Junk makes advertising revenue from the online ads. About a year ago, uh, the oatmeal got fed up with, uh, Matt Inman, that is, at the oatmeal, got fed up with so many of his comics being reposted in what he thought was an inappropriate way on Funny Junk. And he wrote a post with a comic calling them out for it. And that's what was the start of this. What happened next was that Funny Junk's administrators retaliated by saying that, oh, Matt Inman wants to shut down our site. Go reach him any way you can. And um, Matt Inman was indeed inundated with all sorts of attacks, many of them uh, using gay slurs and all sorts of insults. And you would have expected that would have been in the end of it for a while. For a while. But this, this is not one of those case stories where what you expected is ever even remotely going to happen, it seems. so. No, this is, this is like a Greek tragedy in a way. It starts to roll, and you know what's going to happen, and it's tragic, but it's not going to stop, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. What happened next was that an attorney um, representing Funny Junk about a year later, a man named Charles Carrion, uh, sent the oatmeal a letter saying basically that blog post you put up about funny junk was a trademark violation and it was false and it's harming us and we demand that you take it down and we demand $20,000. Now this for reasons I'm sure uh, Bennett you and I will discuss was uh, a very foolish thing to do in context. But what, as almost anyone who knows the Internet, who understands its culture, who knows the oatmeal, would have predicted, indeed happened. Matt Inman posted a comic taking this letter apart, uh, explaining why he thought it was ridiculous, explaining why he thought it was an unjust and frivolous demand, 
pointing to the many examples of his work that still existed live on Funny Junk, even though the letter was claiming that they'd been taken down. And in the capper to it all, he said, rather than give you $20,000, I want to raise $20,000 for charity for the American Cancer Society and the Wildlife Foundation. And then I'm going to take a picture of it, me standing next to the pile of money, and send it to you, uh, you meaning funny junk, with a picture of your mother seducing, I believe it was a Kodiak bear. Yes. That's roughly uh, the sort of, you could call it irreverent style you could expect from the oatmeal. Now, how important is it that it's Kodiak? <laughs> I, You know, I'm sure there are people out there stringing theories about how important that is, but I, I'm I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we'll keep it to the generic family. Um, all right. So basically, he's uh, threatened to make a drawing of, of his mother committing um, bestial acts. And, um, and so at that point in the game, you've written a letter probably overstating your hand. And, and as a lawyer, I wouldn't prudence at this point say, hey, um, one, this guy has a big following. Two, he's pretty funny. And uh, lawyers, we aren't um, the most famous for having uh, that skill. And, um, and so this is a losing match. Um, I'm more or less pissing in the wind on this one. And maybe it'd be better to admit defeat and go home. And that's what happened, well, right? I think that's a thought process <laughs> that should have happened before Mr. Carrion's letter was sent. Uh, Mr. Carrion styles himself as you know, an Internet lawyer, an Internet expert, and I would say that what happened here was completely predictable and inevitable. Um, in his statements later to the press, Mr. Carrion said he'd never encountered such a response or expected that someone would put up a profane cartoon and that he'd be deluged with abuse. But in fact, I think anyone who's familiar with the Streisand effect, uh, as it's called, or familiar with how Internet culture works or how the Internet reacts to censorship demands, you know, take down this post or we'll sue, mm -hmm. would have anticipated exactly this would happen. Particularly when you're attacking a hugely popular um, comic author who's known to be irreverent and known to be a little bit combative. And so um, at this point, we then get lawyer, more lawyers involved. Um, Absolutely. Mr. Carrion threatened to file suit. This was, you know, what you would call doubling down. This drove more and more eyes to the situation. You know, at first it was just, um, you know, the oatmeal that ran this story, and the oatmeal's millions of readers saw it. Um, then once Mr. Carrion reacted, saying, "This is outrageous. I've never seen such a thing," um, more and more started people started uh, picking it up because it falls into a narrative that is, you know, lawyer makes frivolous threat and gets comeuppance. So you've got big sites, uh, Ars Technica, Tech Dirt, Boing Boing, all sorts of sites up there driving more and more eyes to this situation. And uh, there's a, a feedback loop, in effect. I can tell you that one of, my, one of the things I do on Popat is that I try to find and coordinate pro bono defense for bloggers who are threatened with frivolous defamation suits. And the day this happened, I had literally 34 emails from people that I'd never met saying, Ken, did you hear about this? Can you help this guy? 
that's how far spread it was just among my readers. And my readership is ridiculously modest compared to the oatmeal's. So this went viral. And it going viral was completely predictable and preventable. And so it goes viral, and, and everyone starts reporting on it, Ars Technica, all the different tech press. And, um, and so, again, here's another point, another uh, crossroads when um, wisdom, judgment, you name, you, you choose your words, um, would have suggested taking a different path. And, um, and so, uh, instead, what did Funny Junk choose to do? Well, it wasn't Funny Junk that chose to do it. At this point, Funny Junk seems to have sort of backed out of the whole thing. Mr. Carrion himself um, filed suit in federal court in Northern California, and he sued Mr. Inman. Uh, he sued uh, Indiegogo, which was the site that Mr. Inman was using as the fundraising vehicle. Uh, it's a you know it's a, a crowdsourcing of donations site. Uh, kind of like Kickstarter, and he even sued uh, the two charities, uh, as far as I can tell, on the theory that they would have to be directed with respect to how to monitor fundraising being done in their name. And his theory was that this was a terrible abuse of charitable donations, that um, you know charity names should not be used to abuse an individual as Funny Junk and Mr. Carrion have been abused by Mr. Uh, Inman's cartoon, and that the government should step in and you know, take this over, and that all sorts of California charity laws are being violated. He also um, claimed, uh, he asserted that Mr. Inman had incited what amounted to a digital mob to attack him. He claimed that his uh, website had been hacked. Um, examination of that suggests he just means that someone you know, filed a hit the button for uh, you know lost password on it. Um, he uh, asserted that all sorts of things had been ordered for him uh, using his email address, and he said that someone had started a a Twitter account in his name using his name, one that in my review I think is clearly satirical. So he named a bunch of Doe defendants as well. And so having done that. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not only he doubled down, I mean, he's now gone into federal, he's gone into court and, um, he's asserted more or less arguably sanctionable claims. I mean, what is your assessment of these claims? I don't know if, uh, I'm going to say yet they're sanctionable. I'm going to leave that for the, uh, the very capable attorneys who are representing the defendants so far. And, that includes not only Mr. Inman's own attorney, uh, but the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, which has stepped in. Uh, but certainly they are very odd, and some of them ought to be very easily defeated. Uh, the initial lawsuit mischaracterized some of California charity law. It uh, is asserting trademark claims uh, in the satirical Twitter account on something where prevailing law pretty clearly shows that it's protected as satire, and it has a theory of incitement that carried to its logical extreme would mean that no one, particularly no one with a following like the oatmeal, can ever um, criticize anyone for fear that uh, a mob will then go abuse that person. You know, American law, fortunately, is quite clear about what constitutes unlawful incitement. Uh, 
you know, ripping into somebody, uh, doing satirical cartoons, calling them names, anything like that, uh, is protected First Amendment speech unless uh, it is intended to incite and likely to incite imminent lawless action. So, you know, by Mr. Carrion's theory, um, Matt Inman unlawfully incited actions against him just by criticizing him, just because uh, Mr. Inman had a uh, you know, a microphone and uh, a lot of uh, viewers. And uh, again, Bennett, that would mean that you can't rip into somebody on this radio show because you have listeners and, oh, well, if you say terrible things about someone, one of them might go out and, you know, order him uh, a bunch of pizzas that he doesn't want. That's not the law. And so you have a situation now that – you also would think there's also the opportunity for a slap possibility. Uh, there, there is certainly at least as to the state law claims. Uh, you're referring to the the anti-slap law, uh, right? For the, for the benefit of your listeners, uh, a slap is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. That is, a lawsuit calculated to shut people up rather than based in good law. And a number of states like California have what's called an anti-slap law, a legal measure that you can use to get rid of such a suit early and even get your, um, even get your attorney's fees paid. So uh, the answer to that one uh, is a bit complicated, and that's because he filed in federal court. But suffice it to say that the anti-slap law may, may well be an effective remedy against the state law claims uh, the so-called cyber vandalism claim uh, in his federal lawsuit. Well, yeah, and it, um, I know that it is considered a, a substantive state law, so even in federal court it is available to you, although um, it's not quite as broad as it is in the, in the state courts. Now, um, you know, where – where does he see this going? How does I'm reminded of a story when I first moved to LA. There was a video store owner in uh, Little Saigon, um, down in Orange County in Westminster, which is virulently um, anti-communist and uh, virulently um, anti-North um, Vietnam or the you know or the current um, government of Vietnam. And um, for some reason, this video store owner decided to antagonize his. Um, his his own you know customer base and he uh, posted on outside his um, shop the flag of of the Vietnamese government or which you know to them they consider the North Vietnamese government and um, and it, it outraged the community and, and shockingly they were able to get an injunction and get it taken down. This would have been around 1995 sometime, and um, shortly thereafter the, the you know. The legal system righted itself, and um, he was able to get the injunction reversed. And um, but but he had to be escorted into his video store um, by police coming back from the court because there were five thousand people demonstrating outside, and um, you know clearly not a a great thing um, to to generate business. But the uh, the story worked out perfectly because the police escorted him in. And inside, and in the process, they saw that most of the videos he was selling were pirated, and there was the <laughs> equipment in the back. And it was one of those, you know, what were you thinking? And I think um, we're going to take a short break. Um, uh, come back. I really like to think, where do you see this going? People want 
watch some train wreck. I mean, obviously, there's a certain you know, pleasure in seeing it, but there's also lessons to be drawn from that, and we should talk about that when we get back after these messages. Great. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sword with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. Webmasterradio.fm Webmasterradio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing. I'm Maria Retan. This is Glenn English. This is Tim Ash. James and Arlene Martell here. This is Ross Dunn. And this is John Carcutt. This is Dush Ramachandran. This is Bennett Kelly. This is Jillian Music. From SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry. Please join me in welcoming Andrew Hankford. Pleased to have Jim Lanzone. Please welcome Ariana Huffington. Please welcome Jason Kalkanis. On air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. I'm here on Cyber Law and Business Report, and... uh, I must I must tell you, Ken, you, you got quite a fan base here um lighting up the chat boards and uh everyone we're we're, we're listening to what you're you're writing and if you have questions you want us to address, feel free. Um and thank you for joining us today. So this um obviously is not ideal practice for lawyers to follow. 
Um, we're always telling our clients, be careful what you write. Um, it can be, it can be, a, you know, the whole New York Times rule um, that you never know where it can be. So you should always write carefully um, with that in mind. And so what, what lessons did we draw from this? Well, I, I think we draw a couple. The first is uh, from the perspective of a client or lawyer who might be tempted to send a cease and desist letter. I think modern practice, professional practice, requires a lawyer to advise the client that, look, this might go worse rather than better. You know, the Streisand effect in which a takedown demand inevitably drives more eyeballs to the challenged content might wind up hurting you rather than helping you. So let's think about ways to accomplish this and maybe a different approach. From the client perspective, you have to be ready to listen to your lawyer about that and be ready to consider, uh, am I acting out of anger here and there's a better, is there a better way to do this, an approach that won't wind up with 10 or 100 or 1,000 times more people looking at this post on the Internet that I don't like. On the other hand, from the side of people who are publishing, um, they have to be aware that, yes, our legal system is imperfect, and it does allow people to file frivolous suits. And even in places with strong laws uh, like California with anti-slap law, uh, you can still wind up paying money in attorney's fees and having time and harassment and expense. And how to deal with that? All I can tell you is I think more of us should be fully informed of our First Amendment rights, fully informed of the laws that help protect them, like the anti-slap laws, and vigilant about um, protecting them. Uh, you, you, know, and, you mentioned the Streisand effect, and you know, it's, it, it's useful to, you know, to uh, add some numbers to that. So in the complaint that Streisand filed, and just for those who aren't familiar with it, Barbara Streisand filed, lawyers filed a complaint um, because there were certain, there was a photograph or two of her house on a California Coastal Commission website, um, a collection of aerial photographs taking of the entire California coastline over a number of years. And um, in their complaint, she said she had no idea. They had no idea of knowing how many um, um, people had downloaded the uh, her photograph and you know, how badly your privacy had been invaded. Well, the wonders of a lawsuit is you get discovery, and they found out. And it was something in the order of six, and four of them were her lawyers. And so they invested all this effort, and the, the blowback was that the site then got half a million hits, or almost half a million hits, the next month. And so, I mean, here, um, you know, Ms. Charles, um, carry on. <laughs> um, what does he expect to achieve? I don't know. I can't get into his head. Um, it may be at this point that he just thinks that the Streisand effects and the way people act on the Internet is terrible, and he's going to be the man to fight it. It might be that um, he sees this as good publicity, as being the guy who will take on the world. Uh, and, you know, there are some clients out there who will respond to it, even if 99% of the people think that the fight in which you're taking on the world is a bad one. Um, or, you know, if I can indulge in a Batman quote, uh, some men just want to see the world burn. So, well, I, yeah, I think <laughs> I can't tell <laughs> what he's trying it, to do. Want it or not, I think that he's going to. He's definitely in uh, this time to get the marshmallows out. I think for him, um, it's just it's one of those things where you, you're just dumbfounded. You you think every at every point there's so many opportunities to turn. And and choose a, a lesser um, 
a confrontational approach or even just to bow out and cut your losses. And he's double down, triple down, quadruple down. And, and it's, that's why it's just this, this whole kerfuffle just it, it confounds me. Well, and part of the problem is he's now representing himself in his own lawsuit. And yeah, I think what people insane. often need is someone – it's not just having a lawyer who knows the law. Having a lawyer often means having a detached third party who can sit you down and talk about whether this is a good idea, whether it's going to work out um, the the way you hope it to, or whether it might be better to move along now. And I think that's what – someone ought to do um, with Mr. Carrion, but you know, he has the same access to the courts as any other American. I wish the courts had more robust mechanisms to swiftly close down this litigation, and that's something I advocate for, uh, but I have a feeling that it will be swift enough. And um, well, we shall soon see. Um, we're running out of time. If you have any, um, if people want to learn more about Popad or follow this um, Further, what's the best way that they can track you in this issue? Well, um, I just on your web chat uh, put up the link to my series of posts about this story. In addition, they can visit uh, www.popat.com. And if people are interested in the general topic of anti-slap statutes that help people terminate frivolous lawsuits attacking speech early, I highly recommend the Public Participation Project, which you can find on the web at www.anti-slap.org. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you, and I hope you'll consider coming on again. Um, this is just an astounding development, and uh, but I do help you. I do appreciate you helping us get our arms around it. And congratulations on your status as a, a AmLaw 100 blogger. Well, thank you very much, Bennett. I had a great time, and thank you for having me on. Thank you. All right. Next, bye. Um, um, Braska, do we go to break, or are we going straight through? No, we'll go right to our next guest. Great. Do we have Kevin with us? Should be answering in just a moment. We go. Okay, our next guest is um, Kevin Winston. Is just a, an, an area phenomenon here in this in Southern California, who is heading up Digital LA, and he just um, concluded um, the debut of the Silicon Beach Fest. And we're going to talk with Kevin about this whole new phenomenon of Silicon Beach. What's it mean? And uh, talk about the fest and what we've learned from it, and uh, and how right now Los Angeles is a hotbed for startups. So, um, Kevin, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining us, and congratulations on a very successful Silicon Beach Fest. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. We had a great time over the weekend with a bunch of panels and mixers and uh, even some uh, volleyball game to go along with the fest. Thank you. I missed the volleyball game. Dang. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. The winners won uh, a pair of shorts. Now, um, when people hear the term Silicon Beach, um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, Silicon Beach um, is a term that has been used by the media to refer to the uh, the rise of startups and uh, startup activity in the Los Angeles um, area, and we just decided, hey, let's let's call our uh, our festival the Silicon Beach Festival. It refers to uh, the fact that there are a lot of startups in Santa Monica and Venice, and there are also startups in 
um, Hollywood and downtown and Pasadena too. So for, for us, Silicon Beach refers to all the startups in Los Angeles, but since most of them, about 80% of them seem to be in the Santa Monica and Venice area, we decided to have our first uh, Silicon Beach Fest uh, over at the beach where the startups um, are. And you had a beautiful weekend to go with it, um, and uh, including the, uh, your debut party at the, the Viceroy, which was, was a lot of fun. Um, so in, I was at one of the panels that um, actually talked about, is this a real phenomenon? And I think, you know, being in L.A., there's, um, you kind of have the shadow of Silicon Valley, you even have the shadow of the entertainment industry, and, um, and even in pursuing this, um, this show – you know, I got some you know, pushback from people who thought, you know, you think the tech community is just, you know, the, the high tech stuff. What about aerospace? And, um, you know, we've been around long before you. And so there's this kind of um, this sense of, uh, you know, what what is emerging here and and uh, how big is it really? And, and I did some research, and if it turns out that L.A. is consistently ranked one of the top um, hotbeds right now for startups and technology. So I just wondering, you know, how do you see Silicon Beach and its general role in LA as a as a um, as a startup um, place right now? Yeah, that's totally true. If you look at the numbers, uh, LA is uh, consistently ranked in the top five in the nation for uh, for investment as far as millions of dollars invested in startups. So um, so yeah, while LA is also known for the entertainment industry and aerospace and other industries, uh, it's definitely uh, increasing. Um, the startup activity in LA. So uh, there's several reasons for that. Uh, the first is that a lot of uh, the venture capital money, uh, which is you know largely based in San Francisco, is looking for new ideas. Um, there's a, a lot of ideas in, in Silicon Valley, but there are also ideas and companies that are that LA is actually particularly good at. Uh, LA is really good at media and entertainment related uh, companies. So there are companies like Viddy, which is a video. Um, uh, Startup that that have been really that's been really popular that uh, has has popped up onto the scene. They're also LA is also really good at retail and e-commerce uh, type companies. So there's companies like Beach Mint and Shoe Dazzle and Pose, um, which are all retail slash e-commerce that have popped up. Um, so LA really understands kind of the consumer facing startups. So while Sam, Silicon Valley startups might be really good for you know the hard tech and the, and the pipes and the back end type stuff, um, LA is really looked to as the uh, source for uh, this media entertainment uh, content and retail and fashion. In fact, Google opened up an office in Venice where we actually had one of our developer debates as part of the conference. Um, and they did that because they also see that there's a lot of content creators. Uh, Google is, you know, is part of uh, Google has YouTube. And so all the content creators, the creativity here uh, in LA exists. And that's another reason why uh, things have been going on here. There's a lot of creativity and passion for LA folks kind of from the entertainment industry and borrowing from entertainment where everyone, if you have a good idea, you need to meet, you know, people to get it done. Similarly, if you have a good startup idea, you need the passion and I need to get meet people to get it done. And that's kind of what the Silicon Beach Fest was uh, meant to do is to bring them together with all these great ideas from both the content uh, entertainment side. We had folks from Hollywood on the panels, from, from Sony Pictures, from Fox, uh, from the Grammys talking about how they use social media campaigns and use some of these digital tools that startups create, as well as having uh, the accelerators uh, in Los Angeles. We had uh, Amplify, Mucker Labs, Start Engine, some of the major accelerators. We had uh, the major VCs uh, that invest in, in LA here. Uh, and we also had a lot of the startups represented, all the startups that I mentioned to you. 
which are really taking the lead and getting recognized and creating some buzz. So there's like a bunch of reasons um, which makes it exciting. Well, it seems also what you're talking about, you also seem to embody. I mean, your career is is cross all the different components of what you talked about. I mean, you've you've been in, uh, we've been with Sony, you've been with MySpace, um, you've done games. Uh, you, how how common is that? And is that really partly what's the attraction here in LA? Is the synergy of all these things coming together? Yeah, that's the great fun about LA. Um, that's exactly right. There's this great mashup in LA, and in fact. At the Silicon Beach Fest, Eric Garcetti, who is a mayoral candidate, he actually gave the opening keynote, uh, and he said that LA is a mashup of you know tech and entrepreneurs and entertainment and creativity. And when you put all those things together, because we have all those things, uh, great you know things result out of that, which are, are good companies. So yeah, personally, I, I used to work at Sony Pictures Digital doing. Uh, strategic alliances, and uh, then I switched over working at Fox Interactive Media, where I worked at MySpace and worked with movies, um, movie studios to create interactive marketing campaigns, and uh, and then kind of did my own startup, which is what Digital A is, which um, I've had for the past four years, which where I've been organizing events and uh, and and panels, and for the past four years, and just decided to organize this because I've. You know, a lot of other folks from the entertainment industry also are looking to startups um, because it's a it's a fun it's a fun uh, industry. Now, are you from California originally? Uh, no, no, I grew up in uh, Seattle, but I've lived here for the past ten years. Okay, yeah, because I know I know you went went to school back east, and you know after you know leaving the Ivies, I was you know what was the lure of Southern California? Uh, yeah, I was attracted uh, to Southern California when I moved here. Um, for the weather, the the weather is great, and that actually attracts a lot of uh, startups and you know VCs from the valley. They could you know work at a office park in the Bay Area, um, or they could come to the Los Angeles area. We have great sun and uh, a lot of folks with fun attitudes and uh, and, and great weather to, to do the startup. So uh, so yeah, I think uh, certainly LA weather and everyone's kind of positive. You know, passionate, upbeat, creativity, and attitudes uh, definitely comes into play too to attract uh, some talent. Also, um, some of the startups have said that it's easier to do a startup in LA because you don't have other companies stealing your program or talent. What happens sometimes in Silicon Valley is that you have you know you have your startup, you hire you know your your five to ten developers, but then there are so many other um, startups with a lot of capital nearby that. They end up stealing your developers. Whereas in LA, we have a strong developer community, uh, but there's you know less of the the pilfering uh, going on because there's just less of the you know huge huge money that Silicon Valley still has. Is that is that a factor? Because that we're maybe because we're spread out. That, yeah, I think that's that a factor too. That? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you, if you're you know a, a a developer living in Silver Lake or or the West Side or downtown, you might it might be harder to steal you. To go to some other startup across town, you might just want to stay where you are. No, I, I, it was great that you had Eric Garcetti speaking as the keynote, and you know, I've known Eric for over years. And he was telling me afterwards that you know, he spends a day a week on tech. That you know, it's that important to him. How how significant a role can a mayor of a city like LA have in terms of you know promoting it as a, a tech center? I think the mayor can have a, a, a large role. Uh, I know that in New York, Mayor Bloomberg has had a, a very significant role in tech. He's done a lot of stuff with uh, with startups, with websites, with apps that the city has that help the city do the job of a city better. And uh, 
I know that Eric Garcetti is very gung ho about tech too. Uh, at the opening keynote, he talked about CitySource, which is a, a, a app, a local app that lets people, you know, take pictures of a pothole and then send it to the city government and track how the process is going on. So uh, there are definitely things that a mayor can do to kind of encourage tech and foster it and, and work with the tech community to help everything from, you know, increase in, in new companies, making it easier for, for new startups to do business in a, in a city to helping, you know, foster and support things like the Silicon Beach Fest, which Eric did by coming out um, to join us for our keynote. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot that the mayor of the city can do just to kind of set the direction. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'd like to talk to you more about Silicon Beach Fest and, and what the feedback has been so far. Okay, um, great. Back after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Join the thousands of search and social media marketers at one of the largest events of the year, SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Learn more at sesconference.com. SES San Francisco 2012 kicks off three days of sessions with a keynote presentation by Google digital marketing evangelist Avinash Kaushik speaking about business optimization in a digital age. Check out daily Meet the Expert roundtables where you can take part in intimate and informative discussions with industry icons. Add over 70 sessions, a crowded expo floor, on-site training at the ClickZ Academy, the big search engine watch eliminator, goodbye, and webmasterradio.fm search bash, and you'll have SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Register for SES San Francisco 2012 today by clicking on the banner ads from the webmasterradio.fm website or go now to sesconference.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is... Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back talking to Kevin Winston. Um, he is the founder of Digital LA, and um, he just come off a, a very busy weekend where he was heading up um, Silicon Beach Fest um, here in Southern California. And um, what was the, the feedback you got in terms of? I know you've sure you've been monitoring the media reports. What were some of the things that um, people seem to respond to most, or what surprised you most about the coverage so far? Yeah, the um, the thing that surprised me most was just the overwhelming energy and excitement about what we had put together over the over the three days last week. Um, when I was putting together the schedule of, of panels and, and cocktail parties 
and, and workshops and the demo day, working with all of our partners like Start Engine and Promo Jam and PageVoo and TechZulu. Um, we put all these this programming together, but we had no idea the 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 overwhelming support and energy of folks just being excited to to celebrate all the startups and the activity going on. Everyone was excited to meet the the accelerators. Um, the meet the accelerators panel was packed. Uh, the meet the VCs panel was packed, um, and the parties were like the viceroy party that you mentioned on Thursday, or the hotel room party that we had on Friday, or the closing party we had at thirty one ten on Saturday. There was just all this energy of, of people just excited to, to be there. Uh, a lot of people who had startup ideas said that they were inspired at the panels. Um, we had some panels at Hotel Irwin on uh, art and fashion and social good. Uh, and there were people who attended who were really inspired by the panelists who were you know, just maybe a, a year or two ahead of them in getting their startup off the ground. And they basically felt that you know, if they could do it, I could do it too. So um, so people really liked the quality of the conversations. Our moderators were awesome at uh, really engaging the audience and the mod- and the speakers, so that it was really interactive. And then people just wanted to continue the you know the good vibes and the and the feelings um, afterwards at the at the cocktail parties. People met a lot of contacts at the parties, and everyone kept saying, "I met a lot of really good people uh, at the event. I had a lot of great conversations, and and I was inspired." Which uh, which yeah, I had no idea. I'm planning you know this fast that you know you would get to that level, but uh, but we did, which was really amazing. And at the closing party, uh, and actually ever since then, people keep asking me, when's the next one? When's the next Silicon Beach Fest? When's the next one? I can't wait for the next one. And some people said they've been going through uh, through SBF withdrawals because <laughs> uh, they, they miss all the you know, going around networking and fun times. Or so, uh, and our T-shirts are really popular, too. We made some T-shirts for the volunteers and organizers, but a lot of people now want the T-shirts that we had with the, uh, with the SBF they were, logo. They were great so, yeah, uh, it was yeah, kind of just definitely well, sell them. That, um, okay, great. I, I thought it was. I thought it was the poster was a great design. The T-shirts were a great design. So yeah, I, I think you have, you should definitely market that to, to the fullest. Um, <laughs> nice it, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I actually went to the. Um, I, I missed the social entrepreneur panel. I, I I thought it was a different time, but I went to the panel on on voting and uh, yeah. Rock the Vote had uh, very. I won. Rock the Vote's turning twenty one this year. And um, they they decided not to celebrate their twentieth because you know you can't really do anything on your twentieth birthday, but your twenty first, on the other hand, <laughs> that's a big one. And uh, but um, they had the, the president; she had a um, a T shirt that just had you you a little court code that you could scan, and it would give you your voter registration information. That's awesome. And I I just thought that is such an incredible you know, use of technology and in conveying a message. And um, so yeah, they were handing out those T shirts and. Um, with a it QR was kind code? of awkward. Yeah, it was kind of awkward when they they were doing it for the video, and the, you know the person's holding the her, the camera. I mean, excuse me, the smartphone shakily right by um, her shirt, and she's like, <laughs> "I'm feeling a little bit awkward at the moment." <laughs> and uh, but um, it, it it's just an interesting use of technology, and uh, in a very important area. I think she said, "Rock the vote" may have the the largest um, voter registration drive in history this year. So. Yeah, that, that, that's great. And uh, yeah, we actually had a reporter from TechCrunch uh, fly down from the Valley to moderate that panel. It was a, it was a people love that yeah. panel. And, and with this being a voting year, yeah, that digital is definitely uh, being used in new, innovative ways. And that actually was the theme of the entire conference: how digital is being used in innovative ways uh, for startups or for from uh, you know mainstream entertainment, Hollywood companies across movies, music, TV. Uh, video games, uh, advertising and branding. Uh, we had tracks with all of those uh, talking about how you know, movie studios like Sony Pictures and Movie Clips are, are using digital innovative ways. Uh, we had 
people from uh, who've worked on uh, the X Factor social media campaign on TV talk about how they've been using social media in new ways. Someone from Fox talked about that. Um, uh, talked about innovation as well. So yeah, similarly with voting, we we want to make sure that we talked about really all, all the ways that uh, digital is being used in new ways, and these new startups are creating companies around that, which is an exciting time. Now, as someone who who spans these these various um, disciplines, um, you know, where do you did, did was it evident at all during the the weekend, um, or have you seen it evident? The whole divide over SOPA that you know, between the the, you know, the content community and uh, the web community. You know that really that really didn't come up. Uh, everyone was just really excited to to be together and uh, and collaborating on various you know various projects. So yeah, that that didn't really come up. Do you, do you, do you see that much at all? And just you know through the various digital LA events you have, or just in discussions? Is, yeah, that is really. That- yeah, it's interesting that that topic hasn't hasn't really come up. People haven't asked to to do a to do a digital event around that. It just hasn't just hasn't really come up. So I think other I think other communities are talking about it more than we are on a day to day basis. I actually went to an event at the at the academy of mm-hmm. the motion pictures, and they had there's a there's a, a professor at University of Pennsylvania. He's not a law professor. He's just a a film professor who's written something on the. the um, the history of Hollywood and copyrights, and um, it's called Hollywood copyright laws and um, wars. And um, it was interesting that that was largely an entertainment community a crowd, and uh, there were people who um, argued with themselves. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, on one hand, they were saying, you know, it's really a pain getting clearance to use this music or that music or this clip or that clip, and particularly for documentaries, it's really a headache. But you know, you know, you know, goddamn it, better not be using my stuff <laughs> in, in another context. And, and, and so the, it really is a, a strange uh, debate that's occurring, at least there. And um, but you know, clearly we have a lot going on here in innovation. And I think um, on the on our in the publishing side, and uh, they just want to move forward. And, and hopefully this hope this doesn't get in the way. Is that your sense? Well, yeah, certainly the rights of all content creators need to be protected, so uh, or else that will inhibit the creation of new content. So, uh, yeah, and uh, if you know folks want to do a, a digital LA talk on on the sofa stuff, uh, they can just reach out to me and say, "Hey, let's talk about that." So, uh, so yeah, digital LA, I always roll with the flow, and whatever people want to talk about, whether it's you know digital and movies, TV, music, games, visual effects, three D startups, entrepreneurship, however digital effects, um, you know, LA we'll do an event there. So if folks want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. Well, thank you. And please keep us posted. I mean, you know, here we are. We're, we're part of um, you know, Silicon Beach, and um, we'd love to be able to keep reporting on what's going on. So keep, please keep us posted. Now, we only have a few minutes left. What, what's, what's next, or what would you like to, to plug in, in your <laughs> – Yeah. Well, Digital A, while we, we organized this uh, Silicon Beach Fest this past weekend, we actually – Organize seven to ten events a month. We organize events that's one or two a week, which is a lot, um, all around you know digital entertainment. So, for example, we're going to be organizing a digital comics panel right before Comic Con uh, in Los Angeles, and then we're going to be organizing uh, a mixer at uh, San Diego at the Comic Con. Um, we're going to be organizing uh, a bunch more events in the, in the fall. Uh, we may even do a Silicon Beach Fest one day version in the fall um, in Hollywood and downtown, because like I said, uh, that's part. Of, all of LA is part of Silicon Beach, so in the fall when the, the beach weather is not so nice, we might do a, a one-day version um, 
in Holland downtown. But then, you know, the main Silicon Beach Fest will always be uh, the first weekend of summer in June because uh, that's that's a good time to get back to the beach for the summer. Perfect for a Silicon Beach Fest. And then we can play, you know, basketball, have surfing lessons and beach volleyball like we did this past weekend. Do you surf? Uh, I can stand up for a little bit and uh, had my friends take a picture of that two seconds that I actually was standing on the board. So, uh, and that's what got about on my Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> limited, very limited. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun to have surfing, uh, surfing in real life because people in the digital community are so good at surfing on the web. Uh, it was fun for, for several of them to try you know, surfing uh, in the ocean. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and I hope you'll consider um, coming back, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. And um, everyone, Kevin Winston, Digital LA. And yep. what's your website? The Digital LA website is digitalla.net, and the Silicon Beach Fest website that has some photos of the events, and the write-up is at siliconbeachfest.com. Yes, and soon-to-be-selling T-shirts, I imagine. <laughs> let's, let's work on that. All right, thank you. Um, we, we only have a few minutes left. Um, this will be our, uh, our last episode for about two weeks. Um, I'm going to be going to Berlin um, for a wedding, and I'm um, actually the best man. And uh, obviously, as an American going to Berlin, you, you're cognizant of uh, JFK's famous speech, where it actually stood at that very spot once. Well, maybe and I also don't want to work next week, too, there, Bennett. I'm sorry? You want to work? You want to come along? No, you think I want to work next week? It is 4th of July next week. That's true, yes. We do have the holiday, so we will be closed down. But on the 11th, I'll be flying back right. from Berlin. And, um, and then, uh, so um, we, will, we will not be broadcasting then. We will resume on the 18th with, um, who knows by then, I imagine this kerfuffle we talked about in the first half segment might result in a duel by then. But um, it's been a pleasure. There's um, a couple of things, if I have time, I'm not sure I do, but um, there's interesting um, – Today's Helen Keller's birthday, and yesterday there was an interesting ruling on um, held, holding that Netflix um, was subject to the Americans with Disabilities Act in a in lawsuit um, brought by the uh, American um, Deaf um, Association um, was able to proceed. Um, in addition, there was a very troubling ruling in Arizona where um, is a, a federal judge who's with strong anti-environmental views um, who was able to determine um, just – decide that he disagreed so strongly with the plaintiff's lawyer that um, not only was he going to reject his appeal, he was going to personally sanction him, and which could have a chilling effect, not just on environmental claims, but on all public interest claims. And so we're hoping people to draw attention to this. This involves the San Francisco Peaks decision in the Ninth Circuit and the lawyers, Howard Shanker, and we're telling him to hang in there and keep up the fight. Um, very briefly, um, that is all we have for now. The uh, and thank you for your wishes on the on the um, the LA Press Club Awards. We came in second, so um, second's not bad. So oh. I appreciate it. And um, that is all we have for now. We'll join us um, in three weeks. Hence, uh, we'll be back from Berlin, and uh, we'll have lots of more stories t- for you and updates on everything going on and all things internet. This is Bennett Kelly. I want to thank our great guests today, Ken White and Kevin Winston. And um, I hope you'll join us again on Cyberlaw and Business Report. Um, thank you to all of you who joined us on the chat room, particularly all those from Popat. And um, follow us at internetlawcenter.net or on ilccyberreport.wordpress.com. And thanks again. Have a happy and safe 4th July and happy Canada Day.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.